630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 630 Chad. Thank you so much for tuning in tonight. Great visit from Cam Moon. Play-by-play voice of the Red Deer Rebels here in Edmonton tonight. FC Edmonton getting underway against Valor FC and the prospects taking on Brooks. I'm looking out the window. I do not think it is raining. And I know from uh, living in this part of the country most of my life that I can't accurately predict the weather in another neighborhood. So hopefully downtown, <laughs> it's down in the River Valley, it's dry and they're uh, ready to go. We'll, uh, we'll check those scores as we move along tonight. Eskimos in action on Saturday. 12.30 countdown to kickoff here on 6.30. Chad, the game will start at 2 as they take on the Montreal Alouettes. Very special guest in studio, the head coach of the U of A Golden Bears hockey team, Ian Herbers, is here. Ian, great to see you again. You too, Reed. Thank you. You having a good summer? Yeah, it's been good. Been a little bit of traveling, a uh, ton of recruiting, but it's been a very good summer besides weather, as you mentioned. Right. Yeah, well, I'm I'm lucky. Most mornings haven't been too bad, and that's when I will get out and golf or, or run. So when it rains at this time of day, I know that's when a lot of people are angry. But I but I'm in here working, so selfishly, I've been, I've I've been okay for most of my outdoor activities. Are you a golfer? Uh, it depends on the day, and most people that have seen me know. But uh, so my game's sporadic. I'll guess I'll say. I know how you feel. Yeah. I'm a I'm a poor player. Yeah, yeah. No, my first round this year, I went out with David Pelche and we played at Blackhawk, and I shot a 38 on the front nine. I should have retired right after. Should have stopped. This. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> I assume you did not shoot 38 on the back nine. No, not quite. But uh, that was my first best nine of the season so far. That's good. That yeah. well, that is that's the only time I've broken 40. Yeah. On the front, I got a 38 mm-hmm. uh, last year at Riverside, my quote unquote home course. Yeah. And yeah, I felt like. It was weird because you almost feel like what's going to happen on the back nine. Like, you know, even if you're having a great day, you're not shooting two over on the back nine. No, it started great for me on the first one. I chipped in my, so I didn't even have to putts. Oh, wow. On 10. Yeah. 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 And so then after that, it was all downhill. (laughs) At least you had the 38. That's all we're going to acknowledge, uh, uh, acknowledge ever happening. Who was the, I mean, there's, it's still somewhat true, I guess, for hockey players. And of course, if people out there actually don't know you played pro you played for the Oilers uh that hockey players like to golf in the summer maybe not all of them do but did you ever have a teammate that was an outstanding golfer uh quite a few uh, a lot of the guys I played with are very good golfers just over a scratch golfer a couple of them that I played with and that so uh it works out well with our season and then it's nice to be outside because in the winter time we're in the rink all mm-hmm. Every day, all day long, it feels like, uh, or in the workout room, it just works out well. We're especially working on the eye-hand coordination. Yeah, I wonder if there's any, like there's got to be something to that kind of the the body turn and. Well, that's what I was figuring with slap shot, but the way I golf and everything else, I'm opposite hands, and then I switch oh. on baseball. I go to back to left side, so maybe that's my problem. I'm not sure which way I'm supposed to be hitting yet. Uh, Ian Herbert's joining us in studio. Okay, uh, you were the coach for uh, of the Golden Bears for three years. All three years you went to Nationals, uh, you won it your last two years. Uh, Sturge LeJoie was the coach for three years. He got a national title. This year you come back and you go to the national final and uh, come up a little bit short. So 
you know, the U of A program continues to be really successful and you don't win without good players. But in your case, because of that, no, no, this, these are players who are not going to be back next year, but not because they're graduating. Uh, well, I guess the guys who are leaving for pro opportunities are five players. So basically you're losing five of 20 guys you would have dressed got yeah. to go play pro. Well, I was asked at the beginning of the year last year, we have guys that opportunities to sign, and I said probably about five, six, maybe seven at an extreme. And so we did have five guys this year that did sign good deals, either NHL, KHL, or American Hockey League deals. Uh, so it's outstanding for the program, just the work that they put in during the season and the off-season last year. So it's great for us and made it a busier spring for Stan and myself. Uh, but uh, that's a good thing. And that's the one consistent you've been talking about all those years. Uh, Stan Marple has done a fantastic job as GM and bringing in players. Luke Philp, obviously, uh, the, the one name most people will recognize. Uh, he, he signed uh, with the Flames. Zach Zachenko gets an opportunity with the Sharks organization. Graham Craig. So he got an AHL deal with the Moose. Correct. And uh, then Brandon McGee and Jason Fram are going to Cunlin Red Star in in the KHL. I think that's the first two U-Sport CIS players that ever signed in the KHL straight out of U-Sport. So, uh, you know, another first for the U of A. Now, do you get... I know scouts come to your games. This past year, the second half, we had a number of scouts, uh, assistant GM in the building. Actually, that assistant GM came to maybe two, three of our weekends and watched our team play. So we had a lot of interest in that second half. And do you ever, you must get asked for tape of players or game tape? Yeah, I had a number of teams also asking, requesting to send in video for players. So we have Dallas Ansel who does a good job with us on video and he was able to put stuff together right away, email it off, iCloud it off to whoever and uh, they were able to look and if they had any questions or needed more footage, we were able to send it to them. Okay. Well, I mean, obviously the the program has that, that reputation and I suppose if you... If you have a player who gets to go pro, they can always come back and finish schooling whenever, late 20s, early 30s. Yeah, some of our, well, some of the guys here like Sachenko and that, they've taken spring courses, they're doing summer courses right now to try and to lighten that load. Uh, with those guys in business, I don't know if they're able to do a course online during the season, but especially the guys playing in the American Hockey League, there is time to get a class in a semester oh, okay. if possible and that. So I know the guys that have, uh, Craig graduated, um, Sachenko, Fram, they're going to try and finish their, their degrees here during the summer and spring, maybe in the winter if they can take a class like I was saying so they are still very focused on their academic side uh, just now a little bit more emphasis on the hockey so I, I'm curious about recruiting and you know what I always say about about you sports or college sports you can win a lot of games in the summer and I know sometimes they commit the spring previous winter us. spring I guess but yeah. you know you know my in the off season I, I suppose and Chris Morris was here last night from the football team he talked a lot about the program he's trying to build there and gave me a Cole's notes of, of what you might tell a kid. For you or Stan, when you first meet a recruit, obviously if they're playing hockey in Canada, they know about the U of A Golden Bears program. But you still, you know, you what what do you say? What's the what's the primary message? Is it just about look, we we are at nationals every year. So do you want to, or or do you focus on other things? Well it is. That's 
that's a guarantee for us. We're the, we get to nationals every year, challenge for a national title. Uh, for us, we're looking for guys that are right on the cusp, still didn't maybe quite get that deal they were looking for, uh, but they want to give pro another shot. They want to play in the American League, hopefully work their way up to the National Hockey League, uh, if not have a great opportunity in Europe. So we're looking for those guys that are still very passionate about the game, still want to improve their game, uh, and then we give them every opportunity to improve their game at the U of A with their practice, the way it's our style of play, uh, our off-ice conditioning with Joel Jackson does a fantastic job in all the development we'll do. Uh, so we want those guys that are hungry, want to keep pushing and developing their game. Then the other side of it, we maybe miss out on some players, is the academic side. Uh, very challenging to get into the University of Alberta. Uh, the standards are very high, so it makes it difficult for us to get players in because guys coming out of the Western Hockey League aren't focused on the academics. Uh, but once they do get in, we have a number of academic All-Canadians, and the guys do very well once they, they get into that mindset. So it's just the task of getting them in. So it makes it a challenge sometimes during the spring. We've got a lot of work, a lot of following up making sure guys are upgrading, getting the, the marks that they need, getting their marks into the university um, so that they can get in and make sure we can keep going from there. And you said you've had as many since, in your four years as coach, you've had as, as many as 14 academic All-Canadians on the team. Yeah, uh, the first three years, I've, I think we were 11, 12, and 14 academic All-Canadians. And what's the threshold for that marks-wise? Uh, 3.2 out of a four. Okay, and then the rest of the guys have to be at least... They they have Passing. to they have to be a two point to to be eligible to play. No, what's the? And I'm not I'm not I'm not asking you to name any names, Ian, because I wouldn't do that to a guy. But I know I think there's been guys who've maybe had to sit out. What is the? I mean, punishment, I guess, for, for lack of a better word, if a player hasn't maintained an average, is he off the team? Is he out for games? No, but oh, we demand a lot with the Gold Merit Hockey Program. So our alumni are fantastic. They'll pay for um, guys that need tutor. So if you need a tutor all semester long for one of your psychology or math courses, accounting course, whatever it may be, uh, they'll reimburse the player. Uh, on the road, we get a study room, so the guys have the opportunity to have a place to sit down nice and quiet. Uh, maybe they might have to write an exam on the road. If they have to miss a practice during the week because of academics, they will miss practice. We'll just work on the off-ice. So they'll get their conditioning and make sure they get up to the level they need. So we have a high emphasis on the academic side. We just don't expect our guys to be academic All-Canadians. Uh, our national champions, hockey-wise, we give them the resources to allow them to be to be that way. When you uh, when you played when you, when you played for the U of A, what was your journey like balancing the academics and the athletics? Were you good at it right away, or uh, the, the hardest part is that first semester, just figuring out right. the schedule and getting the timeline and the time management. And then once you get it, it's good. The nice thing with hockey players coming in, you have that network and that group of supporting staff of all your teammates that can help you out. Um, so after you get that and figure it out, get the schedule down. Uh, fortunately for me, school kind of came easy on, on my side. It, it just kind of fell into my lap, I guess. Uh, so I did well at it academically as well as on the ice. What did you study? I was in phys ed. My major was in coaching and my minor was athletic therapy and finished my degree in four years and I was uh, enrolled at education to get my after degree in education. Uh, and that's when I went to Oilers Development Camp and signed my uh, my contract. That away you go. Yeah, and so then I had to drop out of education. But you already had that interest in, in coaching then even in your 
late teens, early 20s. Yeah. When I was at the U of A, I ran their hockey, the hockey schools for the three years that I was there, my last three years. Uh, before that, in junior, I ran ho- hockey programs. Uh, my third year at the U of A, I coached uh, Bantam double-A or triple-A team in the north end of town. Uh, my fourth year, Shirt Park Midget triple-A team, the Kings, uh, with Chris Deacon. I was a uh, coach with him. And we ended up winning Max Tournament. Uh, we won Alberta, and then we ended up losing to Kamloops and uh, the, or going to the Air Canada Cup back then. So you're going to school, you're playing Golden Bears, and you were an assistant coach on these teams? Yep. Yeah, yeah. So it was hectic. Yeah. Yeah. So did you have any outside interests? Did you sleep? Or? <laughs> <laughs> well, you always find time for it. There's right, always a way. Ian Herbert's head coach of the U of A Golden Bears is in studio. We'll talk a little bit about uh, recruiting. Uh, we'll reflect on this past season uh, a little bit. And I want to ask you, too, how your three years uh, in the National Hockey League maybe have shaped you moving forward here with the U of A Golden Bears. It is 7:18 Inside Sports on 630 Chet. This is Don Unum of the Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to the Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. Thanks a lot for tuning in. Red Sox lead the Blue Jays 4-2 in the bottom of the fifth inning. Ian Herbers, head coach of the U of A Golden Bears, is uh, in studio. You guys made it to the national championship game. Uh, was it UNB that beat you? Yeah, yeah, they played very well. They were a good team. So does that, I know you're a very competitive guy, and you have high expectations. Really, everybody in the city that cares about Golden Bears hockey has high expectations. Uh, have, are you past the lost? Have you shelved it yet, or how does it feel? Uh, we'll use a little bit for the teaching and training camp. There's a couple things we need to improve on on that area. Um, but, yeah, it's a learning experience for us. We don't dwell on things. We keep looking forward. We keep building. Um, but definitely learn from our experience. The past year was a, a different year for me, especially with all the injuries we had at the start of the season, just trying to get a full team on the ice for a game. A lot of times we were playing two, three players short. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you know, We carry a heavy roster where it's 25, 27 guys we're carrying on our roster, so we weren't even able to put a full roster on. Uh, I thought we came a long way, uh, did some very good things over the season, just uh, one step short, but with all our guys that signed pro deal, and everything else I thought was a very good season for our program. So uh, recruiting, how many guys do you have coming in, or do you hope to have coming in, I guess? Well, if you count Butcher, who redshirted for us this past uh, second half of the year, and then Soy only played, I think, one or two league games and three exhibition games for us. Uh, so I throw those guys. We have 13 players coming in to start oh, wow. this year. Yeah, yeah. So it was a busy, was something we weren't expecting in the spring. Uh, but a good thing. And that's a token. We've, we've turned away a number of players that wanted to come here as well, and just they weren't the right fit academic-wise, hockey-wise, or we just were happier with the players that we've brought in. I, I'm very pleased with our recruiting class. Are you guys going to have a new captain this year? Yes. Riley, Riley graduated. Uh, he had an opportunity to play pro, uh, finished with his engineering degree, was a fantastic captain, fantastic bear for the five years. Uh, he came in his first year, was my last year. Um, but he got a great offer with a company here in town and decided to hang up the skates, maybe play a little rec hockey, but not play pro. Riley Keezer, he's uh, talking about former Oil King as well. Correct. So he, yeah, he was on the Memorial Cup, didn't they? I think yeah, they acquired yeah, he, him during that year, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah, they picked him up, and so he won Memorial Cup and then came with us and uh, won some university cups. Did he win three in five years? Uh, yes. Not bad. Yeah. Not yeah. a bad run for the young man. Yeah, yeah. 
Ian Herber's in studio. You spent three years as an assistant coach with the Edmonton Oilers. What did you? What have you taken out of that experience? Maybe this is might be a long answer to this one, but what what did you take out of that experience that has helped you with the U of A, or maybe just did, what do you take out of that as a coach? Oh, there's too much to talk. Uh, the show would be going all night here for that. Uh, but probably one of the big things, just realizing these are the elite players in the world and the amount of time that we spent doing individual skills with the guys, either on video or on the ice. Uh, me and the other assistant coaches would go out before practice and guys would come out, depending on the player, where they were health-wise, work 20, 30 minutes working just on individual skills for defensemen or just something a little bit more specific even than that. Uh, and then we'd have our practice, and then afterwards we'd stay out on the ice, and these guys would stay out for another 20, 30 minutes and work on skills in different parts of their game. Uh, so just the time and just putting it in and for those individual skills and realizing they're still the best players in the world. Just for example, Connor, when he was injured, uh, part of my job was getting him back ready to play again, and every day he was pushing me to come up with new things to make him better. And at that point, he was one of the best players in the world, and he's still pushing himself and striving to get better and become a better player. And he was a rookie yeah, that year, rookie. and he's already... Yeah, yeah, so... Um, was it at all challenging or were there ch- challenging differences for you being an assistant coach and not a head coach uh, after having been a head coach obviously for several years yeah I, I flipped and flopped uh, back and forth a few times so it was a little easier for me uh, very good staff very good people to work with uh, so enjoyed the time it made it an easier transition uh, obviously it's always a little bit more I guess enjoyable running your own show having that control uh, but very good. I enjoyed my three years there, learned a lot, picked up a lot. Hopefully I helped out some, uh, and it was a great experience for me. And hopefully now I can pass on some of this stuff to our current players here at the Golden Bear program. And you'd known McClellan for a while, eh? Yeah, well, we used to play against each other in the Western Hockey League. He was Saskatoon, <laughs> I Swift Current, so I'm sure I shared some of my elbows or stick with him at some point, and vice versa. And then uh, when I was picked up by Minnesota Wild in the expansion draft, I was sent down right away, and my background is in coaching. Uh, so I asked Doug Reisbrow if I could start moving into the coaching field, and they allowed me, and Todd allowed me, and I was a player assistant coach for Todd in Cleveland. What's it like being a player coach, even if it's not the head coach? That has to be a difficult relationship to figure out. Well, an expansion team, especially because you have a lot of older players, there there wasn't any young draft picks yet because they'd just been drafted. So it was all older players. We had J.J. Daniel and guys like that on our team. Um, So... For me, the way Todd handled things and Doug Reisbrow, and obviously I was never involved in any of the player decision, lineup decisions or anything else, but just kind of more the hockey side of things and systems and just being involved in those daily discussions with Todd and uh, Jock Collander, who was the other assistant at that time, uh, just getting a chance to get see how things are done on the coaching side. Uh, when you're playing, you're just in there for your workout, make sure you get in shape, getting your treatment, your practice, and you're in and out. And usually it's a pretty pretty simple and easy day. So my day doubled being at the rink way before everybody else and then obviously staying longer after and getting everything prepped for the week. 
Ian, I, I appreciate you coming in. We, we always have you on during the season, and, and several of your players are on the show during the season, and it's always great to talk Golden Bears hockey and get to know some of your players. I, it, we're into the final minute here. I do want to ask you this. First of all, you guys start your season September 27th, and then the following year, Grant McEwen and Trinity Western are joining the league. What do you think about expanding Canada West from 8 to 10? Is there enough? You know, will it be competitive enough? Uh, Schedule-wise, uh, not pleased with what I've seen so far. They're still negotiating or trying to figure out stages here. Um, I, I don't know if we'll have enough players because a lot of our players from the Western Hockey League end up going to the Atlantic Conference. Or This year, actually, a number of players went to the Ontario Conference. Um, it's nice having a team right here. We don't have to travel as far. We just across the river. Maybe we jump on the LRT and, and we're at Rogers or vice versa and uh, we have the game. So that side of things is good. Uh, I know Ring Rose has done a fantastic job with the program over there the last couple of years. Uh, we got a couple of alumni over there working at their program. Um, so it's kind of a wait and see right now. For us, we're kind of focused on this year, big year for us with all the new recruits coming in. Uh, and we'll worry about next year, the following year. All right. Well, I'll ask you again next summer. Uh, Ian, thank you so much for coming in. It's great to see you. Always my pleasure, Reed. As Ian Herbers, head coach of the U of A Golden Bears hockey team. For all the news and expert opinion, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. for tuning in. Great to have Ian Herbers in studio, head coach of the U of A Golden Bears hockey team. After uh, a bit of a rain delay, the Edmonton prospects getting set to go at REMAX Field against Brooks, and it'll be a 7.50 start time for FC Edmonton at Clark Field against Valor FC. Obviously, the storm came through Edmonton, but those uh, matches uh, will go tonight. Boston leading the Blue Jays 4-2 that game now into the top of the six. You can text 6.30, 6.30. Uh, earlier, Cam Moon was in. We hit on a variety of topics, including uh, Milan Lucic. Could he possibly be traded for James Neal or, or something like that? This texter says the Lucic contract is not going any place, so the coaching staff needs to put salary aside and out of mind and create plays based on his skill set. A checking fourth line focused on checking and a size and maybe add some speed look out on the dump and chase well the Oilers have tried to add speed we'll see if they if it pays off they uh, signed Josh Archibald yesterday he was with Arizona last season Joachim Negard coming over from Sweden he's a very fast skater we'll see if those are two guys who might pay off up front former D-man Mark texting in he said, uh, read in all honesty, if Lucic was paid two and a half to three, I don't think we would have any problems. The problem with the Oilers for years, they've been offering too much money in term. Russell, too much and too long. Shirelli easily could have shaved a quarter million off that contract, but he never squeezed. The Koskinen contract offered too soon, too much term money and the no trade. The Oilers never watched the pennies. So far, Ken Holland has it right. We aren't a playoff uh, contender this year. Not that we couldn't get in, but probably not. That is a text from former D-man Mark. Well, yeah, not a lot of room for Ken Holland. Uh, certainly, I think some we'll see signings. They're, they're, I mean, I, I find Archibald actually very interesting because he is fast and he 
has been a good penalty killer, and he did get to 12 goals last year. Now, last summer we were saying that about Toby Reeder, and, and he didn't score at all. So they they still, I, I know a, a, a buddy of mine who's a big Oilers fan texted me yesterday after the Arch- Archibald signing, and he said, how many fourth liners do the Oilers have to sign before they have a second line? I know he's being sarcastic, but there's a point behind that, and I still look at the roster and say, who plays with Nugent Hopkins? Or with, or if Nugent Hopkins is with Dreisler, who, who plays with whatever, which of the two big three aren't together? Right? I mean, it, it, Tippett has said he likes Dreisler and McDavid together. I'm sure things will change throughout the year. There's still not a sure bet for offense there. So even if you have players on your bottom two lines who are getting you around 10 goals each, that's great. It would still be better than what the Oilers had last year, but you're still missing some finishers on your second line and still missing some guys on the second power play unit as well. So, yeah, I mean, I I, I think that's a, a fair text from D-Man Mark. I, I think the Oilers could get into the playoffs. I, I think there's a kind of a soft middle in the NHL where there's probably not a huge difference between 13th overall and 22nd overall and the Oilers you know they well I guess they were just outside of that group last year by the end of the year they were in it most of the year um so perhaps they could push in but but they're not a cup contender I know that's disappointing we've been uh, saying that for far too long another texter simply says uh, why do you laugh so much well I enjoy life Kellen Kennedy on the other side of the window he is the shimmering commissioner of mayhem for the Sylvan Lake Alliance of Wrestling. Kellen, how have you been? Happy to be your scum for tonight. Here we go. How was, uh, well, tell people about your weekend. You took part, you, you're a man of many passions. Yes. Besides uh, working inside sports and Eskimos games and Oilers games, we've talked about your passion for uh, for wrestling. Mm-hmm. And uh, you got to engage in another of your passions this past weekend. What were you up to? That's right. I was out at Castro Raceway this past weekend for the Mopar NHRA Rocky Mountain National Open. Uh, it was a great uh, free days of drag racing, uh, tons of cars. I think there was upwards to maybe 200 or 300 cars in, I think, somewhere between seven to eight different classes on the pro- on the property throughout uh, three full days of racing. And uh, I was down there uh, working video, working a little bit of television crew with them. And so it was a, it well, was a lot of fun. Well, you were working. You weren't just there as a fan. Yeah, that's right. Because you are a fan media, of so. that as well. Yes, that's right. So it, it was a lot of fun. Uh uh, Sunday was hot, uh, as, as it tends to get uh, in July in Edmonton when the sun is out. Uh, but, yeah, it was a great time. Uh, by all accounts, fun was had by all. Uh, we had racing legend Shirley Muldowney in the house on Saturday and Sunday signing autographs for uh, all the fans in attendance and that stuff. And she's a rather historic figure in the drag racing circles here in Edmonton because she was the very first if not the first car, the very first uh, professional driver of any sort from the big touring circuit in the States to come up and race at what was Din Capital Raceway back in 1991. I saw, I'm curious, Kellen, where you were this weekend mm-hmm. and where in your history as a fan of this sport you have been able to watch from. And I'll just preface this quickly by saying I have not covered a, a lot of motorsports in my time, but you know 19 years in the business you, you you've been out there and I, I there was one time i was very close to the start for the for the dragsters mm-hmm. not directly behind them but sort of a bit off at it but the the how loud it was 
and then how I mean obviously they're going fast but when you're at ground level you get an even different perspective of it and I was just blown away like your senses are just all of a sudden bombarded when that race starts where, where were you on the weekend and, and do you have a spot where you prefer watching the action from oh uh, I was all over the place with the television camera but I spent the majority of Sunday uh, championship Sunday trackside uh, right alongside the start line so um, if you've ever been to a drag strip or or out at Castro Raceway uh the start line is where the the starting the, the starting lights the Chris, what they call the christmas tree is up uh probably i want to say close to 30 to 45 feet out from the start line itself and so i was in between kind of like the no man's land between where the starter himself stands which is right over top of the starting line and the christmas tree uh, but kind of on the opposite side of the wall okay. so i was you know with a camera just you know, arcing shots off of the starting line and that stuff and everything. Uh, it's very loud, especially when the top field dragsters come out. Do you wear ear, some sort of ear protection? Yep. I have uh, just, I, I, I go and load up uh, at the, you know, like your typical hunting outdoor stores on the little throwaway ear earplugs, right? That you use for like target shooting and that stuff. So they do the trick. Well, I'm glad you had a good experience. I know you like doing that kind of stuff. And what else do we have coming up? The uh, the Pinty series. Yeah, this year, that's next right. Weekend. That, so that's sure coming we'll up. The big uh, NASCAR series coming to town. Which is cool. Uh, actually, their uh, their media rep contacted me today, uh, Tim Southers, who's been awesome to deal with over the years. So we'll be talking more about that next week on the show. Mm-hmm. We do have the Eskimos game coming up this weekend as they take on Montreal. Now, Matt O'Donnell is on the six-game Injured list. He got hurt last week against the BC Lions. Kyle Saxlid, who was just drafted by the Eskimos back in April, uh, got to fill in, and he talked to Dave Campbell. Uh, well, that's just what being the sixth man is all about. You know, coming in here, I was told I could play anywhere on the line, and I was completely ready for that. And uh, that's exactly what happened. They get me reps at every single position, every single day, up until that point. You know, all of camp. You know, started me a tackle. Then, all right, hey, we're going to learn some guard now. Hey, now you're going to start getting some center reps. And then, you know, start season. I'm just you know, moving down the line and, you know, sequence, you know, going at right, then, then guard, then center, guard, then tackle. And it's just, you know, I'm not getting a ton of reps at a singular position. I'm getting them all everywhere. That way I just know, you know, jack of all trades type of deal. If someone goes down, I'm going to be able to go in there and do my best and do my part. And now the way things are, sure, I'm still getting some reps at other spots, but yeah. predominantly I'm sticking at right guard now because that's, that's, yeah. that's me now. So. Is it kind of nice to know that you're repping at one spot instead of, <laughs> I have to know tackle, I have to know guard, I have to know center? Well, you know, I still have to know all. You, you know, things happen, you never know what's going to happen. You never know what's going to happen, you know. Uh, as much as I want to play, I didn't I didn't want anyone ever to get injured, and I never knew someone would. Next thing you know, boom, it happens. Coach calls me up, says, Kyle, mm-hmm. it's your moment now. This is what you've been preparing for. And so, yeah, you know, it's nice to be able to prepare mainly for right guard and be able to focus my attention on there instead of now where I'm giving 20% to each position now I can give like 80% to right guard mm-hmm. and then the rest on the other ones or maybe even you know 60 70 I don't you know whatever it is mm-hmm. I still have to know the other positions because that just helps you at yours right. but it is nice to be able to focus on one and be able to focus on that a lot of my individual now, are you someone that likes to get in the book and, and study the plays and and study the film. I like to do whatever it takes to be able to get better. Uh, you know, I'm a rookie. Uh, came in in camp and every single moment was football, 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 football. Right. Now I have a little more free time than camp. You know, you have to relax. So you don't burn yourself out. But you know, uh, there were 
I have a lot of weight on my shoulders right now, and everyone's relying on me to be able to be a starter in this league as a rookie. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if I'm a rookie. Yeah. It's just so I need to do exactly what I need to do to get ready, and that means going and watching film right now, getting in my playbook to understand everything because now it's not, you know, I might get in in this in a couple plays. I'm going to be in the entire game. Yeah. So what is it about this game? that suits you because let's face it you've only been in the canadian game for months i don't know what suits me or anything like that i'm you know i've only been in the canadian game for a few months but i've been playing football since high school and football is football you know there's there's my new differences you know three downs at the end of the day doesn't change my blocking uh they have their yard off the ball so maybe the footwork's a little bit different on the angle to get to them and that you know that you know millisecond of a difference of contact but at the end of the day football's football i guess the biggest you know biggest thing to get used to this league is that there's 12 men on the field so it changes the box a little bit right. and the 20 second clock did you take to that quickly in camp i did because <laughs> for the i i've graduated college and i took a year off to get my canadian citizenship and i played some indoor football where they have a 20 and 25 second play clock so i was a little used to that that is Kyle Saxel had, had to jump in and play last week. Did a pretty good job. Matt O'Donnell went down on the Eskimos' offensive line. They're in Montreal on Saturday, 12.30. Our broadcast will begin, and the game starts at 2. Dave Campbell and Morley Scott will be there. Kellen, i, I got to ask you, and by the way, we have King's Court with Eskimos' long snapper Ryan King coming up in a few minutes. Yes, sir. i got to ask you something, non totally non-sports related, Oh, but I'm sure some listeners might be able to help as well, or maybe are like me and are seeing these sort of posts on social media and are very confused. Okay. What's with all these pictures of people looking much older than they currently are? What is going on? I I, I can't explain it. I think it's just one of those Twitter things that happens. How is this happens. happening? So is it, this your phone? Will It's an app, an old, I guess, you can old, download. Make me look old button on your phone? How do you do this? <laughs> yeah, I guess there's an app out there that you can download, and uh, it snaps a picture of your, of your face, and you can morph it to whatever age you want. So Oh, so you have to download an app. Yes. So yeah. this app is now getting all this play probably making money out of it yeah so they're taking a picture on on their phone running it through this app and then putting it on other social media Mm -hmm. okay yeah and it just makes you look it projects how you're going to look as a senior citizen what if you're already like me and i'm I'm not that far away why do i need to see how i'm going to look when i'm 55 when i'm already 45 I tell you what's, what's really the, funny what's the is appeal? yeah. I tell you what's really funny is people have been snapping pictures of their kids, like you know, if they have like six, seven, eight-year-old kids or whatever, and putting the age filter on them, and it just it doesn't look right. It looks like the, a baby-faced assassin from a mob movie or something. This, it's crazy. this is one of those things. We, we phones are great technology. We use them. We have to have them. But I feel like. There's so much more you could do with them. <laughs> you could, I mean, you can read a lot of great stuff on your phone. Is somebody texting, and it's called Face App. Yeah, that's the name of it. Face App. Face App. All right. Well, now they got a plug on Inside Sports. <laughs> Fourteen listeners just got the just got the free advertising for Face App because I'm talking about. It. I just find it very odd. It's too confusing for me, so I've, I've chosen to not partake in this. Well, is, this is, one, it, is so. it is it a is it confusing in a way that you you don't understand how it works or is it is it confusing in a way that you're afraid your friends are actually suddenly rapidly aging yeah <laughs> the second is more likely <laughs> uh jay bueller text again colin hanks did a post of one but just posted a picture of tom hanks that's pretty funny 
Uh, this texture says it's called Face App Bob, which, which, by the way, is not my name, but that's okay. <laughs> it's called Face App Bob. It's a Russian app as well. No joke. They hijack your picture and use your images and posters in Russia. If you agree to let them access your photos, they sell your photos aftermarket. No joke. Just take a live shot of your face, but do not allow access to your pictures. Okay. Uh, that is creepy, but uh, good advice. We will get to King's Court with Ryan King when we get back. Hi, this is Armando Sewell of the MTS Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630Chad. Having a few people warn about FaceApp on the text line to 630630 and uh, don't uh, give them permission to use your pictures. Well, I have not used this app nor do I plan to, but uh, a warning for those of you who might be considering it. And again, if I want to see myself look older, I just look in the mirror. That's all I have to do. Hey, it's time for King's Court with Ryan King, presented by Dynasty Builders, designing the custom home of your dreams, available now exclusively in Landrex communities. Back to King's Court on 6.30, Chad. This is your host, Ryan King. Sean White, back on King's Court, coming to you from White Rock, BC. 11th year in the CFL, 140 games, 93% field goal percentage with the Edmonton Eskimos. Started off his career in BC, went to Montreal, and is now in Edmonton. Sean, appreciate you coming on the show. How has the season been uh, so far, four games in? Thank you for having me. Uh, So far, so good. you know, making that change from Danny O'Brien to Kilgore was a little stressful for for a week there. Uh, you saw how I was playing in camp. <laughs> and, uh, you know, now I trust him. I think we had that talk. You know, he had to really tell me. He's like, man, we gotta, you got to just trust me. And I do. And he's done really well so far. And I feel like we're all, all three of us are in a nice little rhythm right now. Yeah, you definitely are going seven for seven and then following it up with a four for four game. Um, obviously, uh, we are off to a good start. Um, you got an interesting journey before you went pro. Uh, you want to talk about that a little bit? I'll let you get into that. No, I don't want to get into that. Come on. The people want to know the young Whitey. What was young Whitey all about? I know because I'm your roommate, but, you know, let's let's tell them. Are you talking about how I got to the CFO? Yeah, let's go. Um, you know, growing up, I know you like to play soccer. You may be uh, involved in some rugby at uh, times and then uh, an interesting little jump into uh, the CFL world. Yeah, so I, I, I come from a very athletic family. Everybody in my family is very competitive. They play all sports. And growing up, we just kind of, you know, summertime, we're playing all the summer sports. Winter, we're playing all the winter sports and we're just staying active. So I love sports in general, and I always wanted to be a pro athlete. So uh, I played a lot of soccer as well and rugby. I think that's what got me more into the kicking world. Uh, and uh, people saw my kicking ability in rugby, and that's when Wally Bono kind of saw me and just said, come out and uh, if you can kick a rugby ball, you can kick a football. So we'll come out and we'll develop you type of thing. So got developed there. From there, you know, we'd, I, mean, I got lots of stories I could go through, but uh, went from there. Eventually, uh, I paid my dues enough where they traded me to Montreal. Montreal, and I got my first start, played five years there, got released in 2015, and I'm now I'm here in Edmonton. Well, we're happy to have you in Edmonton, Whitey. Um, 
I'm gonna have to start calling you Whitey, not Sean. It's kind of weird calling you Sean. Being professional-ish here. Uh, let's go 2015. What a time to come into uh, the Eskimos. One practice uh, signed after Grandshaw got hurt, and we're leading into Labor Day game. Obviously, you know about the um, Labor Day game now because you've been on the team for a while. But how uh, how crazy was that coming in to you know first game with the Eskimos being the Labor Day Classic in Calgary with basically no practice? Yeah, it was very crazy. I hadn't kicked a ball in probably a month at that time, and I've always seen the the the, the battle of Alberta. Uh, you know on TV and I'm just it's a playoff atmosphere it's crazy and it's it's something that I think any player would want to be a part of and so I knew the seriousness coming into that situation I you know I'm not gonna lie I thought I had to change my pants <laughs> it was, I was I was very nervous going into that game just because I needed this opportunity to make uh, to get my career back and going again because I thought I was gonna retire and you know lucky enough you me you and uh, with a Jordan we just got into that rhythm right away and uh, we I just stuck and I just felt at home ever since, and I think since then we've man, we barely miss. And uh, it's just I came into a situation that was just really, really, really comfortable. You're a multi-sport athlete. Talk about a couple uh, other other sports you enjoy uh, getting into, and you still uh, you still play. Well, that I still play. Uh, you know, I've since I've moved here in Ed- uh, to Edmonton. Just the culture of curling has really caught me, and you know it's 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 an awesome group of people, and it's I like curling. It's it's not easy as they make it look on TV, and I respect it, and I want to be really good at it. So I try to play as much as I I can in the winter just to stay active and competing, just because that's what I like to do. Uh, I play a lot of hockey too uh, in the off season, and then if you want to call it golfing, I try that. But I think I quit after yesterday. <laughs> what happened yesterday? I had a complete meltdown, and uh, I went home after the 14th hole. So you were on a round of golf, and then before the round was done, you just left. Yep, that's it. All right, we'll just leave it. Leave it there. Uh, perfect kicking weather. You're rolling. Uh, you wake up on game days. What time of day do you like to kick? Uh, what would be the perfect uh, weather if we were hitting a good old 52 uh, game-winning field goal at the end of the game? Well, I always remember the 55-yard we hit against Montreal uh, a few years ago, and that was perfect weather, 8 o'clock game, so there's not much wind. If There is a very, very mild wind going with me, and then uh, you know I can just grip it and rip it from there. Last game, something that's happened in your career for the first time after going 7-for-7, seven seven, uh, something we do in Edmonton, we elect uh, weekly captains. So you got to go to the coin toss for the first time in your career. Uh, how was that? Oh, it's good. And uh, it's just different. But uh, it was just cool to do that at home. I had my family there, and they, are, they all loved it too. So it was actually cool, but I don't want to do it every game, though. <laughs> I actually saw your mom in the stands during the coin toss, and I was waving at her, and she was waving at me, and I was trying to get her attention, and I was trying to point at the middle of the field, saying, like, your son's out there. She finally looked up there, and then she got all excited and took a bunch of pictures. Appreciate you coming on the show, Whitey. And that's a wrap. Thanks for listening. I will see you next week on 630 Ched for another episode of King's Court. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.